you talk about sharing stories. That's what I do. I'm a storyteller by trade. Oh, gee, you're a, you're a writer? Well, <laughs> I'm a podcaster. What on earth is that? Did you? I did do. Did you? I did do. Did you? Do, 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 do. Are we actually doing the show right now? Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the March and Mitch show starring Selene Santa's Pawn. It's another fucking chilly, chilly February evening here in Kaiser, Oregon. All about that 97305. That is the zip code. <laughs> Why are you trying to get us robbed? <laughs> there was a robbery down the road. It's just it's an area code. There's a there's a large populace of people. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> if they wanted to find us, they would. <laughs> I don't know how, but they found me. See you later, Space Cowboy. Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> uh we're gonna talk to you today about Nothing Nowhere's new album, Trauma Factory. We're gonna pass it on over to Celine Santa's Pond, where they'll be talking about a Linking Park Media Meteora era throwback, and we'll throw it over to Mitch for a surprise piece about whatever the fuck he wants. Dun, dun, dun. I'm looking <laughs> to rock and roll, yeah. motherfucker. Uh, All right, and well, we should explain this is the uh, the March Mitch Show music medley episode. This is the music medley episode. It's like the musical episode of Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We're all gonna burst into like a fucking you know like what do you call it, motherfucking. Uh, Song and dance. Song and dance is good. I'm a terrible song and dance man, just like Vegeta. <laughs> that episode disgraced all of us. I didn't know. Was there a musical episode? <laughs> oh no. There's an episode of Dragon Ball Super where Vegeta does a song and dance, and his whole shtick is my pride, and then he just throws it out the window for this one episode. So we now, all. We, I think only two shows have ever managed to pull off the like the obligatory musical episode, and I would say Buffy. It's not a musical episode. Oh, okay. Just a segment. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I would say Buffy is one show. Plot stuff actually happens. Yeah. Lots of interesting dance numbers. And the second one I would say is it's always sunny in Philadelphia mm. when they do the Dayman episode. Yeah. Other than that, that trope I think should be retired. Yeah. But we're doing it here. No, we're not. We're not doing the singing nor the dancing. We're here to report on song and dance. Mostly song, no dance. Hey. <laughs> Let's get it. Going pitter patter tonight. I'm going to talk to you about Vermont artist Joe Mulherin. He is known as Nothing Nowhere. We've talked about Nothing Nowhere on the show several times, and uh, the truth is, he's my idol. He's uh, one of my favorite artists of all time. I uh, first listened to Nothing Nowhere at a uh, house party in Albany about three years ago uh, through my friend uh, Taylor Breedlove, and um, I've been a fan ever since. I'll never forget going to multiple shows of his in Portland. And uh, it's been like a real good experience listening to him because I feel like his music has definitely been able to channel 2000s emo, a little bit of rap rock, and pretty much just really, really, really good uh, so, uh, songwriting through just a good blend of just different genres with uh, emo being the core. Um, his newest album, Trauma Factory, is basically just a huge, huge non-stop fucking fireworks show. There is fucking blistering hardcore on this album with tracks like death you've got really good hard tune songs like lights four 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 i read the parentheses i know i'm just weird like that and then you just really are able to kind of get a chance to learn more about him and stuff on one track he talks about uh getting off at a gas station somewhere 
in the Southwest, I believe. And um, there's actually just a fan that he meets and basically tells him like, it's like the stand almost, but not not in a weird, creepy, like, holy shit, I'm going to kill my girlfriend off a highway because you, you don't respond to my emails. But just this uh, fan met him off the street <laughs> and was like, holy shit, you're fucking amazing. And like, thank you for like all your contributions to music. And like, I'm really inspired that you do all this music, you know, with all the anxiety and all the depression. And he's able to just, you know, like approach his idol like that. It takes kind of guts. I've met the lead singer of Tiger's Jaw. I've met Joe from Nothing Nowhere and several other artists, Dylan from uh, Tiny Moving Parts. And uh, it's it's always kind of hard to approach your idol or your star. I was watching an episode of Community recently where um, uh, Childish Gambino meets uh, LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow. And he's like, he can't even fucking speak or talk. He's like shitting his pants the whole time. <laughs> Donald, Donald Glover? <laughs> I love yes. that you say LeVar yes. Burton from Reading Rainbow as if he's not LeVar Burton from Star Trek. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Only an infantile would recognize right. him for his, I just, for his lesser I always, roles. It's like the time that uh, one time my mom asked when I was a kid, she asked if I knew who Donald Trump was. And I said, yeah, the guy who was on SNL because he happened to have just hosted it. She's like, I don't think that's what he wants to be known for. <laughs> I mean, clearly we need Things to, re- we, we need to recognize people and their, and their successes, not their failures. Right. Reading Rainbow is the greatest thing that this, this whole planet has ever had in the last 20 years. Let's not Butterfly get ourselves. in the sky. Yeah, yeah exactly. I can fly twice as high. Yeah. Take a look in a book. It's Reading Rainbow. I guarantee you everyone's seen that. And, and I bet one third of the people who've seen that have seen Star Trek. So who's... who's I've totally not seen LeVar Burton in Star Trek. I've only seen him in Reading Rainbow. That's exactly so. right. There's so <laughs> many people who are mad right now at this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I too have now found myself uh, reading again just to kind of help my diction a bit. I just try to do it a little bit every day, you know. A little bit goes a long way. That's what uh, she said. <laughs> <laughs> Trauma Factory opens up with the titular track Trauma Factory. Uh, it's actually a spoken word. Uh, just I wouldn't say spoken word. It's literally just a monologue by a, um, an old man character. Nothing Nowhere features in a lot of his tracks. Uh, he's mm-hmm. in the video for Hammer. He's in the video for Ruiner. I love that guy. Yeah, and it's um, I don't actually have I have not actually done the research to find out who that old man is. I don't know if it's supposed to be like symbology for something. I don't know if it's supposed to be metaphorical. But this guy opens could just up be his grandpa. It literally could just be his grandpa. <laughs> right. I've always kind of wondered if it's his grandpa or like an old teacher that <laughs> he his, loved or something like that. I think that'd be a really cool way to include your family and stuff and you know pay homage to your family for your music. So um, watching the program or listening to the opening track, I was able to you know just kind of hear the last few lines. He says, "Human life is a trauma factory." Me, Mitchell, and Celine actually watched uh, you know this precursor series called "Into the Trauma Factory." We did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the living room and stuff. It was like Valentine's Day. Was that the? That wasn't the MGK stuff. No, no, no. But uh, if uh, but shout out to Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, watch Downfalls High. It is. It is. The acting's a little bit cheesy, but it actually is a good long it was form. Fun, yeah. It is a very fun long form music video it's to watch. Better than Glee. It's like the pop punk version of Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I like that. That's so, so, a good comparison. So check it out. Um, check it out. Uh, Nothing Nowhere talks about in this precursor video series on YouTube uh, where it's basically called Into the Trauma Factory. One thing I regret was um, he opened up a submission service online where he said, send anything you want to this. And he basically read fan mail of just different different fans sending in stuff, just everything from, hey, I fucking love your music to, hey, I love your songwriting to, hey, thank you for being you. Hey, take out your dick. (laughs) Take your dick out! Oh, it's been a while since I've said that one. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. My gold. But anyways, it's been really entertaining <laughs> to see him read just different tidbits uh, from all, you know, 
of his fans and stuff. I wanted to like record a little bit of like Deadbeat Valentine and send it to him just to be cool and fun. But right now I just kind of suck at my artwork and I am trying to work on more guitar covers and bass covers. That way I'll have a better foundation to actually write music instead of just trying to whip out the same like GECD crap that I've been doing for months and months and months. ACDC be damned, dude. That's all they did. <laughs> a TLC, a dynamite. Yeah. Career, oh. Careers were made off that chord progression for a reason. Seriously, dude. Fucking bopping and slapping. And then I kind of realized like I don't want to spend so much time doing like acoustic covers and like and like vocal covers. I want to just do more music music. Uh, anyways, back on track. Nothing Nowhere's uh, album then kind of leads into the hard tune track Lights, which is an absolute pop banger. And mm -hmm. uh, it really, really is just a good pop song. Uh, it's fun to jam to. Yeah, so fun to sing along to. Sing it up, like turn up the volume really loud in your car while you're driving, you know. Uh, tracks like Buck and Exile are definitely kind of bopping and stuff. They kind of show you more of just his personal side. I feel like Nothing Nowhere definitely wanted to get the emo bread still, but at the same time, he is definitely more produced now. And he is definitely, definitely, definitely kind of just channeling kind of, you know, all that money and production value, you know, he gets to just cranking out songs that he likes that uh, maintain his artistic integrity and creative license. But at the same time, it's kind of helping him reach a wider audience. I really hope more kids listen to Nothing Nowhere after this album while also going back to listen to his older albums, Ruiner, as well as uh, Reaper, you know, and then also go on like, on, I don't know if SoundCloud's a thing anymore, but like, <laughs> Go go on Spotify, listen to all his like SoundCloud era stuff with tracks like Weight of the mm -hmm. Wind, Deadbeat Valentine, Motherfucking uh, uh, Chug Slam. Like all those old tracks are really good. Like please check them out. Um, Joe Mulheron is vegan. He actually has pet chickens in his house mm -hmm. and they are known as Destiny's Chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. That's good. He, um, he saves the eggs and he gives them to his family members. So his family members always have farm fresh like eggs. Uh, Even though he's vegan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he just literally keeps them as pets. They're like his pets, pretty much. Yeah, they just hang out with him. Well, if he's vegan, he's not eating the eggs. So he li right, yeah, he's giving them pets. away. Yeah, no, he gives them to his family and That's stuff. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really weird flex. But they I have... also don't get it because I'm terrified of chickens. Like, why would you have chickens just roaming your house? Especially if you don't eat the eggs. <gasps> Apparently, if you hang out with them and you're nice to them, they're really affectionate. Oh, no, no, I think they yeah. can't be trusted. Oh, no, I think they're probably. I've just, <laughs> that's a really weird thing to do if you're vegan. Like, vegetarian, like, yes, I eat the eggs, love the animal, eat the eggs, love the animal. Like, that sounds like a, a healthy, normal mindset. But just to have chickens as pets so you can harvest and give away their eggs seems very weird to me. Probably strange flex, but, uh, you know, Joe goes with it. He gives the, the chickens lots of attention and love. And apparently, he just, like, um, yeah. What do you call it? He uh, he has a chicken run for them to hang out in, and he has a owl, uh, a decoy. Um, I w I didn't really know what decoys were. I work with this woman Andrea uh, over at Applebee's, and she had mentioned that her husband makes decoys for a living. And I'm like, what do you mean decoys for a living? And she had said that like, no, no, like you know, like like the, like it's like a fake deer so that oh. other, mm -hmm. other deer want to go hang out with it. Yeah. And he's got an owl decoy. So like, cause <laughs> apparently, if if an owl sees owl, that won't go there. Mm hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, like I guess owls are like solid, like they're like solitary predators or some shit. Right, like they'll they'll fight each other over hunting ground. Okay. So like, so he has like a fake owl there, so that like other owls won't hurt his chickens and stuff. But he's, he's got a chicken run. I saw you know? a really cute post about a little girl who instead of having like a doll or something normal, she has a decoy owl <laughs> that she sleeps with every night. Owls are just like throw up hands. No, all right, fuck this, I'm out. They're fluffy murder pillows, man. Throw throw up your gang signs, bro. Dead silence. Like, I don't owls know not to fuck with owls. Yeah. Weird. 
it's definitely been a very very like cool experience listening to this album uh tracks like nightmare we've been bumping for a while mm -hmm. uh tracks like um motherfucking what was that track i really liked one of the newer tracks was party it? in the usa <laughs> There's a party in the USA. Shout out Miley. Hang out with fucking Miley Cyrus. Oh man. Um motherfucking but what was it going for? Um no, he does a track with uh Misogi that I really liked, and it's just it has a really good like hip hop vibe, which is really fucking cool. The uh, final track on the air album, Barely Bleeding, uh to me it was probably my favorite. Um of course we all know me, like I was probably drunk when I listened to the first album, and then immediately I'm like Oh my God! This is a crowning achievement. <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever, because you know. But it could have been. Uh, you it know, could very well have been the greatest thing ever. It, most definitely, you know. And despite any like sycophancy I might have to like nothing nowhere, I just really fucking like his music. He's always been there for me through the last you know couple years and stuff. And I feel like with his last track, "Barely Bleeding," it really was just something that I kind of like listened to. And when you, I love it when bands have a really good electric sound, but then all of a sudden the chorus comes in and there's acoustic guitars on the fucking chorus. And I was mm. like, dude, fucking big, big, big stunt right here. He's fucking stunting. He's flexing. And it was really just a really badass ending to the album. Uh, you know, and just check out Nothing Nowhere and just all of his music's great. Listen to Reaper, listen to Ruiner. Go and listen to all the old, uh, you know, SoundCloud stuff he's had on Spotify and other streaming platforms. I want to say that uh, Joel Mulherin, if you ever listen to this, uh, you are fucking amazing. Uh, please always keep being a good, kind person. Keep being um, just really, really real, writing good music, uh, reaching out to your fans. I'll never forget when uh, me and my friends, Samantha, Taylor, Juliana, and Randy all met him outside of the Hawthorne Theater in Portland. And we just like all got to hang out with him and stuff. And of course, my drunk ass, like, you know, like, I'm not allowed to take photos at concerts anymore because <laughs> I, I just get my hands get shaky or I can't hold it right. So he was nice enough to do a second photo Aww. with us. And I was just like, dude, he's the coolest fucking guy ever. I give Trauma Factory 10 out of 10. <laughs> Thank you. Do we play the song now? Yeah, let's listen to Barely Bleeding. Bye. I'm play the song now. By nothing newer. Do it. Execute Order 66.
March and Mitch show. We are still doing our March and Mitch musical medley. Um, for my piece, I want to talk about a band that we've you know talked about in passing on the show, but haven't actually covered. So Lincoln Park, as I've mentioned many many times, was my very first you know first musical love. Um, I found Hilary Duff first, and then I found Meteora by Lincoln Park, and that's when I was like, okay, this is music. Um, it was back in the day, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, when you could go to Barnes and Nobles or Borders and they had those machines where you could select a CD and listen to the whole thing if you wanted to. You know me and Alex can't read. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they had the, the thing. You, did you ever do that, Alex? Uh, I remember going to Borders a bit as a kid, usually to just like goof off and dick around. I might have had a Frappuccino because there was the Starbucks combination Borders. Never one step foot in a Barnes and Noble. Well, yep. I, I absolutely loved going just like as soon as we would walk in and I loved books, I would just bypass all the books and go straight for the music section at that <laughs> time. And so I was just like browsing and I saw an album that looked kind of cool. And so I picked it up, you know, put it on the machine and instantly I was just completely enthralled. Like I, I listened to almost the whole album just standing right there in the middle of the bookstore. And that was that was Meteora. And it was you know, I listening to it today, I maintain that it is one of the best albums I've listened to in my life. They actually talked about in an interview, Mike Shinoda was talking about how they really wanted to make Meteora an album that you would put in your CD play, player, listen to all the way through and not zone out. 
And I think that they hit the nail on the head. It's, That's what we call a beach album. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it, it's a stellar album. And so Linkin Park, they were they were formed in 1996. Uh, Chester Bennington, the lead singer that most people know about, joined after the original singer, Mark Wakefield, left in 1999. And so from there, they essentially have been known for really kind of pioneering a marriage of hip-hop, electronic, and rock, as well as other elements, and especially as they, you know, grew their musical style they started expanding into other kind of genres like pop they have some really good pop bangers um that still have that really emotional influence like heavy which is featuring the singer kiara so just yeah really really stellar and meteora i listened to you know over and over and over again when i was 11 and so the song that i wanted to pick just because i wanted to go back to something that was really kind of a throwback for me is Lying From You, which I had such a hard time picking which which song I was going to do. I actually messaged our friend Rian and I was like, dude, I, I know I want to do something off Meteora. I don't know what to, what song to pick. She recommended Lying From You and I was listening to it in the car on the way to Taco Bell today. And yeah, it, it absolutely slaps. Uh, what I like about Linkin Park is that, you know, in interviews, they've said that they really try to capture emotions behind situations rather than describing situations themselves. Because, you know, Chester would say, well, you know, Mike Shinoda and I are different people with different life histories, so we can't sing about the same things having happened to us, but we, we both know the feelings of anger or helplessness or betrayal or abandonment, and those are things that we can relate and both sing about. And so Lying From You, I think, is a stellar track. I think that it really showcases the, the rock, Chester's vocal range, as well as the really creative use of electronics and hip-hop. And I, I'm really excited to listen to it. I think it's a fucking banger. Okay. Word. Let right. it roll. All right. Good good talk. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Let's go.
Mitch show starring Celine Santa's Pond. Celine, uh, what more do you have to say about Chester Bennington, Mike Shinoda, and Licking Park's legacy? Yeah, so I, I wanted to go ahead and play the song and then wrap up a little bit because I, I love music, can't don't really know how to talk about it without actually like listening to it and having it in front of me. But the one thing I wanted to mention about that song that I love so much about it is the 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 breakdown at the end where it gets into the you know. I never thought that what I said would have you running from me. This isn't what I want it to be. It's just the same two lines repeated over and over again. And the way that the guitar picks up and it almost feels like almost like chaotic. I remember as a kid, I listened to that and I just, I felt like I could just feel all of the rage that I, you know, secretly had that I didn't know how to talk to anybody about yet because I was 11 and didn't know what was happening. You know, I, I felt like I could externalize it finally and just kind of see it. And so I think that's why I loved Linkin Park so much is because as a kid, I was just starting to come into that time of life where, you know, you, all of a sudden maybe, you know, mental health becomes an issue. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, recognizing the fact that my my parents split pretty young and that my family looks a lot different than the ones around me. Just really kind of starting to process all of those feelings and not really having an avenue to do so. And so Linkin Park was kind of the first time somebody said, hey, it's OK to be pissed off. And I needed that, like as a kid that was growing up with a lot of feelings, but in, you know, not not really having been given a lot of examples of ways to express that. That was kind of the first time I was like, okay, so you're allowed to have feelings and you're allowed to have them be loud. You just, you got to figure out what to do with them. And so it was really monumental to me, I think, to have that example of what being loud and angry can look like in a productive way. And so that's, I think, why they were, were so important to me. And then it was also just kind of fun, too, because as I, you know, I got super obsessed with them, obviously, learned everything about Chester Bennington and Mike Shinoda. And one of the first things I learned about Chester was that he's actually from my hometown. So he grew up in the Phoenix area, um, went to high school about 40 minutes away from where I grew up and spent most of his time in my actual hometown of Tempe, Arizona. Word. OK. Yeah. And so to me, it feels, you know, Lincoln Park feels that much more, you know, monumental to me because not only did they teach me about how to have the feelings that I was having but didn't know, really know what to do with. But also it felt so much more accessible because Chester, you know, when he's not on tour, was literally in my city. And Whoa, yeah, cool. no, there's a, a tattoo parlor that's, um, there's a few different locations in Arizona called Club Tattoo. Chester went to high school with the owner of Club Tattoo, is a major sponsor for them. And I swear to God, I, I I'm sure I was wrong, but I swear to God, one day in the middle of Tempe, Arizona, I swear I saw Chester drive by me. You know, I saw a guy with, you know, skinny guy, black beanie, but what I thought was maybe the giveaway was the flame tattoos going up his wrists. When he gets mad at traffic, does he scream like he's in a Lincoln Park right. song? <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, it's it's cool. You know, whenever I go back home and I'm, I'm driving around town, I'll pass, you know, the club tattoo in downtown Tempe and I'm 
you know, it always just makes me think fondly of this first musical love that I had. So it was it was always cool. And since it's something that my dad really supported, you know, I've, I've talked before about how we went to the concert. I, you know, I, I always keep kind of coming back to Lincoln Park as like my my musical home because it's literally from my hometown as well as, you know, I, I grew up on it once I discovered them. So that's kind of why I felt like I had to do Lincoln Park for our musical selection show. Musical medley. Thank you, Celine. I think that was like really cool that you were able to, you know, go to Borders at that age and like listen to their music and be able to like kind of have it be a part of your life, whether it came to reflecting on depression or anger or having like misplaced feelings and like, you know, through Chester's music. I think it's really cool. It's also Mansell. I didn't know that he lived in, you said Tempe? Yeah, Tempe. Okay. He, he lived in my, my actual hometown. I, I lived for most of my childhood in Tempe, Arizona. Whoa. That's fucking crazy. The, the young teen angst explained, finally. Right? The city itself. Yeah, seriously, God. Tempe, <sighs> Arizona is a place. Mm. I will say that for it. It is a place. Okay. Well, you both convinced me. You both convinced me, so. You know, I wanted to do my favorite Gojira, but after reading the wiki on Mashuga, I think this is some this is a slice this is a tasty slice of history right here. Okay, so we are gonna do Mashuga. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. I'm gonna give you the wiki real quick. So Mashuga is a Swedish extreme metal band formed in uh Yume in nineteen eighty seven. Mashuga's current lineup consists of founding members, lead vocalist Jen Kidman and lead guitarist Frederick Thorndale, drummer Thomas Hike since 1990, rhythm guitarist Martin Hagstrom since 1993, and bassist Dick Love... God damn it. Dick Lovegren since 2004. (laughs) Since its formation, the band has released eight studio albums, six EPs, and eight music videos. Their latest studio album, The Violent Sleep of Reason, was released on 7th of October 2016. Now, Meshuggah has become known for their innovative music style and their complex polymetered song structures and polyrhythms. Anyone know what polyrhythms is? Many, many rhythms. I assume it's a rhythm that's in a consensual non-monogamous relationship. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Actually, not, not far. So not even that far. So a polyrhythm is the simultaneous use of two or more rhythms that are not readily perceived as deriving from one another or as a simple manifestation of the same meter. The rhythmic layers may be the basis of an entire piece of music, a.k.a. cross rhythm, or a momentary uh, section, so like a singular mm-hmm. uh, verse. So there there are pieces that will overlay and pieces that will repeat, and then in a polyrhythm, you can have single like a singular riff. So like, during, like you're playing a whole eight-minute song, and then... 10 seconds of the song is its own fucking singular independent riff from each other. So like playing this song, you just have to remember for 10 seconds of the song, I have to play this completely independent, completely sound alike, but completely different riff. Uh, that is fucking mental. Holy shit. <clears throat> polyrhythms can be distinguished from irrational rhythms. God, they are math metal to the fucking core. Ma- irrational rhythms, which can occur with the context of a single part. Polyrhythms require at least two rhythms to be played concurrently. One of which is typically an irrational rhythm. Concurrently in this context means within the same rhythmic cycle. 
this literally does. Yeah, this sounds like a calculus class. Yeah, my to, brain hurts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to be about notes. The underlining pulse, whether explicit or implicit, can be uh, considered one of the concurrent rhythms. For example, an ason clave is a polyrhythmic. Is polyrhythmic because, god damn it, because its three su- sections suggest a different meter from the pulse of the entire pattern. Jesus. Welcome to Meshuggah. God fucking damn it. Holy shit. They rose to fame uh, as a significant act in the extreme underground music uh, because they uh, because of an in- they became an influence uh, for modern metal bands and gained a cult following. The band was labeled as one of the 10 most important hard rock and or forward slash heavy metal bands by Rolling Stones. Um, and at, as the most important band in metal by Alternative Press in the uh, late 2000s. Damn. The band was an inspiration to the D-Gent series. AKA, yeah, the subgenre, exactly, yeah. Shout out to Alternative Press, at Alt Press. Check us out on Instagram, please. Yeah. In 2006 <laughs> and 2009, not one year, but two years separately, Meshuggah was nominated for Swedish Grammy Award, or Grammys Awards. Uh, for their album Catch 33, which is the one I was playing for you earlier, and uh, and their later one uh, Obzen uh, in 2018. So, band was nominated for Grammy Award by for their song Clockworks under the uh, Best Metal Performance category. This band has accolades. Yeah, they really do. So, um, I remember listening to Catch 33 and the album from start to finish. I can't. I had it. I had it on burn CD. I'm I'm in I'm living in Eugene. I'm living in my uh, cousin's attic, and I I, I burned the CD, and I listened to it from start to finish, and I didn't even know the first song was over. Wild! I kid you not. The entire album, literally, and and for most, that's that's the crazy part, right? The first, the whole album sounds exactly the same, but it's absolutely not, and your brain cannot dif- unless you're like Matt from Loja and some shit. Your brain literally cannot differentiate the uh, the patterns and rhythms because poly right no it makes sense that it would sound ostensibly like one really long song if they're successfully doing the the layering like you were describing of you know chords and progressions that kind of hint at ones that have come before or are going to come after yep so that totally makes sense that you would listen to it and be like i I didn't realize that more than one song has happened yeah the first time i listened to it i think i was into the fifth song and i'm like is this on rip Pete and I like look at the thing and it's like song five of 12 and I was like what the fuck is going on what is happening right now it's just like yep so uh Meshuggah has always held the heaviest and, and darkest place in my my metal love again they're not my they're not my Gojira but as far as a band that if you decided to bring up and we're like oh Meshuggah sucks I would probably fight you over it just out of principle <laughs> I just think they deserve more respect than that. You can't come at Meshuggah like that. And anybody who likes metal knows better than to to fight with Meshuggah. So uh, math metal, I think, is an appropriate term for these guys. Again, they are somehow maintain their level of high class and accolades while remaining like still underground. It's very they live in do du- they have a duality. They live in the height of society when it comes to, to nominations, but they also somehow maintain a permanent spot in the underground. It's absolutely fantastic what they've done. Have you ever seen them play a gig? No, I don't even think they've ever been to this side of the States. Ah, shit. I mean, maybe they have. I haven't seen it. If I saw a ticket from a show, I'd probably fucking buy one in an instant, but 
um, just like Gojira. I mean, these guys are from Sweden. Sweden. Hashtag uh, my ancestors, my Swedish people, yeah. <laughs> uh, I they don't tour the states very often. We're I mean, getting too old for this shit to be in the fucking mosh pit. I want to hop in there just to get my ass fucking whooped. My buddy Tim Shepard was telling me the other day when I first uh, when I first not the other day, but when I first met Tim, uh, the drummer for my band. Check out at Swiss Army Wife. Also check out at Save Bandit and at uh, Ayari. Those are all ours. Uh, fucking artist here on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was telling me like, dude, go to fucking. Uh, I'm going to Eugene to see Carnifex. I'm like, dude, I don't go that fucking hard in the paint for some metal, but like, I kind of wanted to go. I ended up not going because I'm I'm a lazy flake. But you know, fucking a dude. <laughs> I would love to go to a fucking metal show just to get into some fisticuffs and get my ass whooped. That'd be real fun. That yeah, sounds I mean, good. I mean, even the Gojira show that we were. I didn't want to be in the pit, but with Michelle, like I said, like I was telling you guys prior to the to when we started recording, I'm like you sign a waiver and you show up to a Mashuga pit with fucking battle axes and and full <laughs> full Game of Thrones <laughs> armor. Understanding this might be your last stand. Yeah, you go into the mosh pit of Mashuga knowing you're either a gonna die or gonna end up on a watch list. <laughs> <laughs> That man murdered 13 people. He signed the waiver, though. I, he, you know what? Put him on the list. Put him on the list. Listen, he's now wanted. We, he's not wanted. Anyways, uh, I'm going to play a song now. Okay. <laughs> good, good talk. Okay, here we go. Meshuggah, some song. I don't know the name. See you in the pit. Try to keep it simple. First intro track of that is called of the uh, Catch Thirty Three album is Autonomy Lost. Uh, the album, I mean, his lyrics are ridiculous. Like I, I don't even want to cover. You can it. understand them. No. no. <laughs> well, first of all, you can't understand them if you're a normal human being with normal ears. But uh, the the lyrics for the entire album are absolutely out the like Gojira, but like they're on the same par as far as I'm concerned with Gojira. Like the song itself is called autonomy loss, which essentially means like loss of self. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is just the, the intro track. So, you know, what does it mean to lose oneself? I mean, essentially they're talking about ego death fucking. 
I mean, autonomy is more your ability to make your own choices and have your, you know, control over your life. Yeah, yeah. Autonomy lost. Yeah. So the one, the ability to make your choices within yourself, but you've lost that. It's ego death. Interesting. Interesting take. It's not a take. It's what the song. Anyways, I'm not here to argue. Listen to the rest of the album. You understand why. <laughs> it gets deep. Goes deep. Goes hard. Hard the paint. Hard I guess I'll stop trying to tell paint. you. I'll, I'll stop Mashuga explaining to you, considering I've never listened to them before. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we have a second. Autono. Aut- I don't know how to spell this. Autono. Me lost lyrics. Anyone? Anyone down for this game? You try to have an ego death, but what? what's dead can never die. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You get it. This guy gets it. He yeah. knows. He already knows what's up. Um, let's see. Michelle Autonomy Lost by EasyLyrics.com. I don't want the song. I just want the uh, I just want the lyrics. Come on. Scream at me. Scream at me louder. Scream at me harder. How do you guys feel about the song? You liked it? The the energy the, <laughs> the energy was definitely there. The beat the beat was good and the energy was there. I liked it. The music yeah. was music. Yeah. yeah, I would say like I don't know. I would say if I like it, it's just not my my style. But I certainly respect it. You know, I, I recognize that it's it's you, good music, just not. You just don't want me to fight you. My particular teacup. Your average metal musician probably has more talent and knowledge in their index fingertip than I do in my whole body. So. <laughs> literally (laughs) yeah i mean definitely like the technical skill as well as the like in the you know actual music as well as the writing of the music like what we're talking about with the you know polyrhythms and all all that business with a bunch of words i didn't know yeah i know clearly like you've got to be really smart and really talented to write good metal uh let's see here and there's not many too i think i think the lyrics literally are just as like for the first like minute 40 i think it's literally the, the lyrics are Reaching for the inner bright, the very essence, son of my dreaming bliss, guided by fear, blinded outside all shades of the perfect black. Cool. That's it. Ego death. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, anyways, I don't have anything else to contribute. Just <laughs> get wrecked, fam. Listen to Mashuga punch babies. I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah! Fuck those babies. I hate babies. <laughs> not even fucking mosh. They do have the screaming down though. Yeah, yeah, they do. Oh my goodness, Grace! It's been a pleasure having everyone on the show tonight. Any moments of Zen, like our good friend? Is it? It's John Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. John yeah, Stewart, uh, our our old friend John Stewart. That's how I used to get my news back in the day. <laughs> you know what? There were there was actually a lot of worse outlets than John Stewart. To be honest, I mean. He wasn't the worst place to land on as far as... Yeah, it's not good that a lot of people started getting their news from comedy shows, but a lot more people had news than they did when they weren't watching anything, so... Also, dude, Jon Stewart, like, he's the main reason that the bill protecting, you know, first responders after 9-11, he's, like, the main reason that they continue to get benefits from the government. Because the GOP was literally like, fuck them. What are they doing right now? That's That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know what? There's a... It, I wouldn't call him the 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 uh, the uh, end all be all news source, but I definitely think that he contributed a lot more than others. That's for sure. Well, I have a quick political moment of Zen if I can share one. Yes. So uh, you guys have heard of Rush Limbaugh, I'm no. sure. Nope. That dude that died. Yeah. Okay. So before he died, he was doing way worse stuff. 
Um, dying is one of the better things he's ever done. He, <laughs> for like 20 or more years, he was, he's ba- he basically pioneered conservative talk shows, but the type of conservative talk shows that are like, fuck the gays. Um, he literally like, he was a terrible, terrible person. He uh-huh. literally had um, a segment where he would play like upbeat music and talk about gay people who recently died of AIDS. Oh, that's fucked cool. up. Yeah, he, uh, and what he one thing that he said that I've found recently is that he, in reference to Eric Garner, that I can't breathe, uh, victim of police brutality. Yeah. He said, "Well, I can breathe because I follow the law." Oh, I saw a meme he about also, that. He also he also shared a bunch of. He would always say that you know it's it's bullshit the idea that tobacco um, and smoking causes cancer. So between the Eric Garner comment and all of the denial of the lung cancer issues, got to admit, it's pretty excellent that he died of lung cancer. Yeah. So that's been my moment of Zen this week is seeing somebody who's just truly terrible, really get what's coming to him in a very ironic way. Excellent. Well, I mean, not that we should ever celebrate, you know, the demise of somebody, but, uh, you know, I think we can all agree that uh, there have been more losses to the uh, to our world in recent times. Indeed, so. worse things have happened. Worse things have happened. So, I, again, I don't want to glorify the death of anyone uh, under any circumstances, but, you know, it, it doesn't hurt that, you know, we have one less negative influence in our lives. Amen. And with that, that concludes our show. This has been the March Mitch Show starring Selena Spanish Pond. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Adios, muchachos and chachis and chachas. Goodbye.